Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, tonight at 6 to 8 p.m. at Detroit City Distillery, join me, the Detroit team, the Detroit Today team, and other WDET listeners uh, for smart conversations on politics, policy, news, and issue that matter most. We're going to talk about regional transit. We'll talk about education, all the other issues that are on your mind as we prepare to head up north to Mackinac Island for the Detroit Regional Chambers Policy Conference in just a few weeks. You're going to lead the conversation on topics that matter most to you. Again, that is from 6 to 8 p.m. over in Eastern Market at the Detroit City Distillery. Really a great place. One of my favorite watering holes here in the city of Detroit. Come have a drink or two, have a great conversation with me and the others about the things that are going on in our state. For more information, go to wdet.org slash events. Up first today, yesterday, a bombshell report dropped in Michigan and across the nation as Michigan State University announced a $500 million settlement with more than 300 survivors of sexual assault at the hands of MSU doctor Larry Nasser. The settlement reportedly includes a provision that survivors agree to stop actively lobbying for reforms to some Michigan laws. What does the settlement mean, and how will the major public university cover such a large bill? We're going to spend the hour today talking about the settlement and the university's handling of the Nasser crisis. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Amanda Thomas-Show, a Nasser survivor who plans to run for the, the university's board of trustees as the so-called Army of Survivors continues its pursuit of justice. But first, let's talk to the man who is guiding the university through this crisis, former Michigan governor and interim president of Michigan State University, John Engler. Governor, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. This settlement is an important first step in the healing process between MSU and the survivors of the Larry Nasser scandal, many of whom are students or alums. I, I want to start with what else you think needs to be done to repair the damage and what else you think the university is prepared to do. Well, the university has been doing quite a bit. We really look at uh, the Nasser uh, lawsuits as related to Larry Nasser and the crimes of one doctor who's you know, gone for 175 years. He assaulted and victimized a lot of young women and girls uh, over a, a long period of time. And so this uh, this settlement coming as a result of the mediation, you know, perhaps begins to close that part off, but it it is just the beginning in many ways of the national Me Too movement and the relationship between men and women and the way in which uh, women are treated by men and men in power, but men in general. And I think that uh, is where our efforts on prevention, a, a lot of education, a lot of new staffing, a lot of counseling uh, resources have been added. And then if prevention fails, how do we respond? And on the university campus, that's called the Title IX process, but mm -hmm. it really is an investigation. And how do we then uh, you know, help a complainant who's come forward and said, I, you know, something happened, it was wrong, and I think all of these processes are much better. If if I take Nasser for a moment, because that happened in a clinical setting, we did make some time ago a series of changes there. I think it's, it would be impossible for uh, a Nasser 
type doctor ever to exist and go undetected because of the changes that have been made. But uh, that, that unfortunately is just a small part. It's big and the numbers are so huge and mm-hmm. the damage is so great, but it's a small part of the, that national debate that is swirling now and probably in every sector of the economy. Um, how did this settlement unfold on MSU's What, what happens now is, of course, there's a fair bit of work in getting it all written down, and uh, there are items that have to be worked on by both parties, and uh, we'll be we'll be doing that. I mean, certainly from the Michigan State perspective, uh-huh. but you know that's a lot of money. Uh, we've got insurance companies that are contractually obligated to, to participate. Uh, they've been part of the mediation all the way along, uh, but there's much work that has to be done there. This will take some time. Um, certainly on the, I would think on the part of the plaintiffs, they have to set up a process by which they determine allocation, and that, sure. that's something they will do all uh, by themselves. $500 million, I mean, anyone who hears that number, I think, is is blown away by it. It's, it's a, a very It's a big number. Uh, is there a chance that you would have to issue debt to cover that, is there oh, a I chance? Oh, so. yeah, you I, think? I, okay. I think that's probably exactly right. Uh, because you know, we're going to be looking at that. I'll have budget meetings, uh, probably the starting tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we've already had some conversations, and frankly, we've had some preliminary conversations about what we'll have to do. But, um, you know, that that's something that uh, I'll be working on. I owe to the board of trustees, uh, you know, a plan, and, and um, we'll, we'll be trying to put that together. Uh, we've already said that uh, with the largest ever freshman class coming in the fall, mm-hmm. we're not raising tuition for freshmen coming to Michigan State. That was a decision that was made last year. We're going to honor that decision. So that's good news for the, the first-time student, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting class. Our class is the largest ever, the most diverse ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. But, uh, you know, we do have to plan now how we deal with this uh cost of settlement. I mean, over. is it is it possible that, that going down the road, uh, there, there could be some effect on undergraduate or graduate education or uh, on things like building maintenance or building itself on, on the campus, the things that, that uh, you, you, you usually use, uh, you know, your money for? <laughs> well, I, I guess if I turned around and say, well, if I had, if I weren't spending $500 million in this direction, would mm-hmm. I, if I had it to spend be able to do some other things? The answer is clearly yes. So yeah. whatever those other things are, I, I won't be able to do. So does that mean it, it takes longer to build a, a new building or that building is postponed? Or, you know, I mean, you, you still have to, you, you have operating costs that are unavoidable and mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you can't, you know, go short on necessary maintenance and you've got a, safety is a big issue. I mean, we've actually upped spending in, uh, for instance, our counseling center. Uh, you know, we're converting a space in the union. There'll be several counselors. It'll be in new offices, and there'll be they'll be new to the university. I, I think I said recently in an event in the, Birmingham that the uh, demand for counseling is one of the things that really has surprised me coming back to a campus. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many mm-hmm. how many students? Uh, this is not just about assaults, but it's just in general. Yeah, counseling in general through the roof. Yeah, uh, I, I'm also curious about the relationship between 
faculty and the administration, which uh, I think flared up some when you were appointed. You, you had a no vote, uh, no confidence vote by the faculty in the board of trustees and in, in your appointment. Is there a plan on uh, on your part to try to f- to try to repair that relationship before you <laughs> might? My plan is to get a new president, <laughs> <laughs> then I can leave. Right. Um, we actually, I think now we we don't begin the process. I think uh, the, the board has been moving steadily to. Uh, recruit what they're calling a an advisor or a consultant to the board to work on the presidential search. So uh, that that I think can be wrapped up hopefully in the near future. Do, do you think that discord though makes that process more difficult for the board? In other words, uh, you know, the, the university has taken something of a hit uh, in the academic world and the reputation uh, because of this. Does that make it harder to find a president who'd be great for the university? Uh, I think. The board's a factor. There's no question. I've repeatedly stressed that in my conversations with the board, and I've said it publicly, so the board's it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. A trustee's listening this morning and says, well, gee, I didn't know that. No, they do. Um, but I think uh, recently we've just hired a, a new dean for the Lyman Briggs College, outstanding candidates, and the woman who was selected is outstanding. I've talked to other candidates for uh, – we have a couple of other dean uh, – positions open and the candidates are simply outstanding so and i've asked all of them are are, are your colleagues saying uh you're you're crazy you know why are you coming to michigan state they said no hmm. uh, and in fact they all are uh, uh, agreeing with something that i believe is that we're going to come out of this a lot stronger and because michigan state went sort of first on some of i think cleaning up campus conduct and respect for others i i think we have an opportunity to have um in a, in a short order, maybe nationally recognized strategies and approaches, because we are we are scrubbing every policy, every procedure, every program that deals with these kinds of questions on our campus. And I think that the, the, we have not had uh, a loss of faculty or an unattractiveness. Now, you're asking specifically about the president, and that's uh, you know that that leadership's awfully important. And I, I certainly uh, always said this was an interim role for me. I didn't really volunteer for this, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't have any intention of staying around. So uh, uh, we, we want to find somebody who's going to be terrific, and my goal is to leave them uh, the best possible uh, environment, both uh, sort of economically getting some of these decisions made and and, uh, and from a policy standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be up to them to help provide leadership on the academic issues. We've got a very strong provost. We've got We've got strong leadership inside the university, but uh, the president, who the next president is, uh, matters a great deal. Of course it does. Uh, how long do you imagine that, that you will have to, to stay in that role? You've mentioned a couple times in this interview that, that you're eager to move on. Uh, when do you expect to be able to do that? Well, I think sometime after the first of the year. I don't know when that, you know, that this process, I mean, I think one of the challenges is that Michigan State, uh, is the kind of job that ought to be able to attract a sitting president, somebody who's got experience. Yes. And whether, you know, she or he, from their position somewhere in the country today, can ex- extricate themselves from their job in a timely fashion. So it may well be they're identified earlier, but it takes three, four months to make that transition. Mm-hmm. But even that would be, uh, you know, kind of exciting to be able to begin to work with a handoff that, uh, but. I, w- I would certainly think that, uh, you know, sometime, you know, hopefully in the front part of next year, I'm able to say, 
I'll, I'll see you around, and I'll be back for a few <laughs> games. Right. <laughs> okay, John Engler, interim president of Michigan State University, former governor of the great state of Michigan. Thanks for being here on Detroit you, Today. Stephen. Bye-bye. All right. Yesterday, as the news came down that the Nassar survivors would receive a sizable settlement from MSU, many of those survivors and their lawyers were on a flight back to Michigan from California, where the legal dealings unfolded. One of those survivors was Amanda Tomashow, a native of the Lansing area who became a presence and a force in the courtroom during the Nassar trial. Tomashow was the first to call the group of young women assaulted by Nassar an army of survivors. Amanda Tomashow joins us now to talk more about the scandal and the settlement. Amanda, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Tell us about the day yesterday and the reaction from the Army of Survivors to the news of this settlement. I think that um, this settlement is definitely a step towards healing for all of us, um, but it's also just the first step. There is a lot more work to be done on that campus and um, campuses across the country. I think that this is only just begun. So I, I said that to uh, former Governor John Engler, who's now the interim president at MSU, and his response was that they've already begun that process, that, that this is uh, one step in an iteration that's already started to unfold uh, at the university. Can you talk about the things that you see as undone, uh, the things that they have not gotten to yet or are maybe refusing to do? Well, I think that um, the fact that they're still um, claiming that they didn't know about Nassar until 2016 is a little bit troubling, considering my report was in 2014, and um, they're still refusing to reopen my investigation. I think that the first step in healing, the first step in changing, the first step in recovery is admitting what you did wrong. And I still see no acknowledgement of um, any failures at the university. I think that if they were to acknowledge that they messed up, then maybe um, I would be um, less skeptical about Mm -hmm. their ability to change at an administrative level. Can you talk about those two years between 2014 and 2016, uh, when you report uh, Dr. Nasser's abuse to MSU and when they acknowledge it, um, what was that like? Uh, Can you give us an idea of the frustration that you felt while the university continued to sort of deny that this was happening? Um, Those two years were spent... um with anxiety attacks and questioning my own worth and um, PTSD. And it was very, it was a really, honestly, it was a really difficult time for me because um, when you're, when you know that you were sexually assaulted and you're told that you don't understand what sexually assault is, you spend your days questioning your own self-worth. And the fact that they still won't acknowledge that, in, in spite of the fact that there were 
not one, but two separate conclusions to my investigation. One that I didn't see until 2017. Um, it, it's, it's hard. I'm, I'm still here. I mm-hmm. survived it, mm-hmm. but um, I was not only victimized by Larry Nasser, I was re-victimized by Michigan State University, the school that I loved and trusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about the moment when you felt that the university was starting to listen and starting to believe you? I will let you know when we get there. You still feel as though they are not, they are not acknowledging their role in this, you feel? I think that the faculty, there's a lot of faculty on that campus that um, is, has been supportive of survivors. I think that the students, the amount of support we've gotten from students has been unbelievable. I'm um, so humbled by the amazing, like the outpouring of support from them. But um, I think that the, the most I've heard is that it's, MSU, the board needs to embrace their opportunity to apologize, mm-hmm. and that's that doesn't sound like much of an apology to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are reportedly interested in a run for the board of trustees at MSU. How did you come to that decision, and why is that form of uh, advocacy or activism important to your um, recovery? Well, to be clear, I have not decided, Mm -hmm. but I do think that um, that university definitely needs a lot of administrative change. I think that the current board, um, outside of a few um, trustees, has been pretty, um, some statements that they've made have definitely re-victimized survivors, Mm -hmm. and I worry that the current board prioritizes dollars and sports over lives and students. And I think that, um, I think that when you look at the, again, when you look at the MSU community, they acknowledge the failures of the university, but when the people in charge refuse to, Mm -hmm. um, It's time for a change in leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make of interim president uh, Engler and the performance he's put in here? Uh, obviously, we've arrived at a settlement, and that's an important part of uh, the healing process. Uh, do you think he's he's leading the university in the right way here? I, you know, I listened to an interview he did earlier this morning where he still maintained that um, they didn't know about Nassar until 2016 Mm -hmm. and that they did an internal investigation. And um, I think that I, my mom always taught me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. So. Okay. That's fair. Uh, what's next? Uh, where does this large group of survivors go from here, and what does the work look like uh, on on your end? I think that we still have so much work to do with um, policy, both in for the um, for at MSU, for the state of Michigan, for the country. 
I think we need to shift our culture from enabling predators to empowering survivors. When somebody comes forward with a story of sexual assault or harassment or any type of sexual violence or misconduct, um, we need to listen and we need to stop arguing and questioning the circumstances and um, blaming and shaming the victim. The blame belongs solely to the perpetrator, the the assaulter, the rapist, the pedophile, and the institutions that enabled them. So um, I think that for me, I'm going to keep talking. I know my sister's survivors, they'll, they'll keep talking too. We're going to keep telling our truths and making sure that the culture shifts to empowering survivors. Because when you look at the statistics, people don't actually lie about sexual assault that often. And because why would you? The, um, the revictimization in mm-hmm. the process is mm-hmm. horrible. You are treated, it is the only crime where the victim is treated like they did something wrong. And until we um, acknowledge sexual assault as the horror that it really is, then I know we're not going to be silent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amanda Thomas show at NASA survivor considering maybe a run for the MSU board of trustees. Thank you very much for being here with us on Detroit today. Thanks for having me. Up next, we're going to talk with the Michigan public radio network reporter team, Rick Pluta and Shana Roth about what the settlement means from a legal and legislative perspective. Will taxpayers be on the hook for $500 million to bail out MSU? As always, uh, on the phones, 313-577-1019. We want to hear your take on those things as well. And don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out entirely on the conversation. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to pivot now to talk more about the legal and legislative context of the settlement, the $500 million settlement that MSU has agreed to with victims of Dr. Larry Nasser. And joining me to do that is Shana Roth, a Capitol reporter at the Michigan Public Radio Network. Shana, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Also here is Rick Pluta. He is the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. The Lansing Bureau is all yours. Yes. (laughs) I've got you both. Uh, I want to start with uh, an issue that has become, just in a few hours, a matter of dispute uh, in this settlement. There There are some reports that one of the things that is agreed to here is that the survivors will stop lobbying 
for legislation that would change uh, the way liability is handled and assessed uh, when when things like this happen. Uh, there are other people who are saying that's that's not true. Um, I, I want to have you guys catch us up on that issue and let us know where it stands right now. Uh, I'll start with you, Rick. Okay. Um, well, there was a uh, report in the Detroit News that uh, it names one of the attorneys that said that uh, part of the deal is that the victims would stop lobbying for um, changes in Michigan law that would uh, make it easier for victims in the future and, and actually uh, even now to uh, sue institutions like churches and, and, and universities. Uh, John Engler, your previous guest, has been very critical of that effort. And um, we've looked into this, and except for this one attorney, we're really not finding one, any evidence that this this is part of the arrangement, and two, I don't know how you would enforce something mm -hmm. like that. I mean, it involves constitutional rights to freely associate and mm -hmm. petition mm -hmm. your government. How you would enforce that against 300 people who are part of the settlement. Yeah. Right, and I spoke with attorney Jamie White, and I kind of forwarded him the article, and he just flat out said, you know, that is not accurate. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, Lindsay Lemke, who is part of this, she uh, she posted a tweet the other day and she said this is false when we talk quote when we talked about the fact that this lawsuit wasn't for money it was for accountability and change to occur we meant it mm -hmm. we will not be stopping our fight with the legislative package all abuse matters all voices matter and another interesting part of the detroit news article was that it brought in um saying that sources close to the university say that lawmakers will also be withdrawing their support from these packages. And the lawmakers are not a part of this settlement or lawsuit in any way. So that's really not something that's enforceable. And, and, and a court couldn't tell right. lawmakers that you're going to do this. So yeah, right. that's, that's, that's utterly, mm -hmm. utterly unenforceable. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's uh, talk some about the money here. Uh, $500 million, huge, huge price tag. I talked with former Governor John Engler a little about where he thought that money would come from. But I think uh, one of the questions on people's minds is, are taxpayers uh, the ones who are ultimately going to be on the hook for this? Or are tuition payers at Michigan State going to be the people who pick up the tab? Uh, what, what do we know about that? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that... that um John Engler has acknowledged that at some point, at least some tuition payers are going to be picking up part of the cost. Uh, there's a question of how much of that $500 million that insurance will cover. Um, I would be surprised if at some point uh, the university didn't come to the legislature and say, we need part of it. However, um, I have not talked to anyone in the legislature at this point who's been ready to commit to hey, you know, maybe we'll have to play a part. Mm -hmm. However, that would be expected at, at, at this juncture. Um, they may find later on that as a practical matter, they have, they have no real rational choice. Yeah. And if the university were to bond, for example, for some of this money, which is something that's been suggested a couple of times, uh, the legislature would have to be involved in that, I believe. Is that right, Shana? Yes. 
Oh, go ahead, Rick. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll let Rick take that one. Okay. I'm not as familiar with the bond <laughs> okay. and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the legislature would um, have to uh, engage on on that as well. And you know, that's but that's the same difficult vote as it would be to um, you know appropriate money to pay for part of the settlement. Yeah. Uh, so, what's been the reaction from lawmakers so far to this, uh, as well as uh, from the survivors? We just heard from Amanda Thomas yeah. show, who seems still very, uh, very angry at the university and its response. Uh, are we hearing more of, uh, of, of that? Go ahead, Shana. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, um, let's start with the lawmakers. Um, the ones that I've spoken with have said, you know, we're happy that it looks like this, you know, part of this whole uh, situation is going to come to a close. However, this isn't the last step, that there is still more things that they want MSU to do um, and also that that lawmakers are planning to do. They have over 30 bills out there in response to what happened at MSU and what happened with Larry Nasser, And they are planning to continue to work on those bills to pass that legislation. They are out to, in the words of Senator Margaret O'Brien, eradicate childhood sexual abuse. Um, and when it comes to the survivors, they also are feeling these sort of mixed feelings about it as well. Um, when I spoke to Morgan McCall, she said, you know, I had pictured this whole, you know, she pictured it feeling a different way that suddenly she would feel different somehow. But really, it's just, you know, it's another step. There's still so much more that they want to achieve. Um, so while they're happy that they're able to move forward and hopefully get this settlement finalized, uh, there's still a lot of change that they want to see. And at the end of the day, their lives have been irrevocably changed. Mm -hmm. And you can't just, you know, give them money and expect closure. Yeah. You know, I was uh, a little surprised by I guess the aggressive nature of uh, former Governor Engler's description of what's gone on here. I mean, he he seemed to believe that uh, you know they've already made the substantive changes that need to be made at the university, and that uh, the settlement is is kind of a closure uh, step uh, with 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 these with these victims. I don't I don't know that uh, I don't know that the victims feel that way, but I'm not sure that anyone really, really does. I mean, there are still these these looming questions about how MSU has changed and will change in the future to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I don't think he's going to let up on the gas on that, uh, you know, either. That, uh, But this, this was John Engler's primary objective when he took over as president of MSU, which is to move along the settlement process. And we should point out that even though we keep saying settlement, 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 there's not... A settlement. What we have are the parameters of the what settlement agreement, the settlement right. will start to look like when there finally is a uh, settlement. And uh, for him, job one in terms of, of getting that done was coming up with a number that would uh, go along with whatever else is, uh, you know, whatever else is going to have to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Shana Roth, a Capitol reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also here is Rick Pluta. He is the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. We are talking about the $500 million 
settlement that uh, MSU has reached with victims of the Dr. Larry Nasser scandal. We're talking about where the money will come from. We're talking about how this fits into the context of reform at the university, the role that the legislature may be asked to play in this settlement once it comes together in final terms, and what the future will look like at MSU. If you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Give us an idea what you think of this settlement announcement. What do you think about the money involved? Where do you think that money should come from? Are you comfortable as a taxpayer with the idea that perhaps uh, you may be called on to help uh, fund this settlement? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Also, if you, uh, give us a call and let, let us know if you think this concludes uh, the story, the narrative around uh, the scandal surrounding Dr. Larry Nasser, or is this just one step in the process? Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. Um, uh, Rick and Shana, um, you know, the, the survivors have said this is not about money. It was about justice and validation. Um, but often with settlements, it means that there's a practical conclusion, I guess, in people's minds uh, to the narrative. They move on and they stop thinking uh, about those things. Uh, is that one of the things that, that, uh, that maybe the, the survivors may be concerned about here, I guess? That's an interesting question. I don't know that any of them have uh, necessarily come out and said um, in so many words that, you know, we're afraid people are going to forget about us. Um, I think that they have, however, made it very clear that they're not going to let people forget about them. Um, you know, they have this coalition of sister survivors. You know, they are, and, and they're not just... Um, you know, talking amongst themselves, they are really getting active in their in their own communities with the school and with the area. I mean, you spoke with Amanda Tomashow. She's planning to run for. She's, or thinking, she's, she's, right, about, she's, thinking, she's about, thinking about it. She said she that, is yes. thinking about. But I mean, even just the fact that she is thinking about running for an MSU board of trustees position is, you know, is, is kind of monumental. Mm -hmm. You know, they are showing that they are considering becoming really involved. They are interested in taking back their communities and really in, uh, you know, becoming stronger people. And, you know, they, there's a saying around MSU that, you know, it's on us. And they're really taking that to heart. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that whatever happens with this proposed settlement um, or whatever happens in the future, that this is the last we will hear from these women. Oh, we won't. And, and as a matter of fact, even just as a practical matter, the process that mm -hmm. I suspect that this, these settlement talks will play out over months rather mm -hmm. than weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Although I, I, I think that um, John Engler sent a pretty strong signal that he wants this wrapped up by the end of the year, that we are going to have votes in the legislature on um, an overhaul of how we deal with uh, reporting and litigation mm -hmm. and things like that. The Board of Trustees ultimately will have to have a formal on-the-record vote on, um, on all of this as well. And in November, we've got elections where there are going yep. to be, as you pointed out, Shana, two trustee seats open. And even though normally no one really pays attention to these university yeah, board races. I think races. that'll look different I, this year. I, I yeah. think this year yeah. is going to be different. Yeah. 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 And even just touching on the legislation, I mean, 
like we've said, there's over 30 bills. I mean, some of these are, are very sweeping legislation that could really change the foundation of Michigan's laws and how it reacts and how it treats sexual assault. And that's because these women came forward. Um, so, I mean, they are going to have a, a an incredibly long-term impact on our state. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Maggie on Facebook says, the lawyers get rich, and John Engler puts it behind him without learning anything. Sorry about the cynicism. That is a quite cynical take uh, on what uh, what happened here. But, uh, Maggie, I appreciate uh, the thoughts, and uh, you're sharing those with us. Let's go to Carolyn in Royal Oak. Carolyn, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, I want to make sure that the money isn't going to be taken from the uh, by raising the fees for the students. Yeah. Well, I think I, 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 you know, Carolyn. I think that's a totally legitimate concern. Um, I'm not sure we have all of the answers to that yet. I don't know that uh, that we know we what the the, no. the dimensions of that will look like. Although I will say it is very hard to imagine that a number of that size can be dealt with at the university without. Uh, some cost, uh, direct cost to students, or sort of an indirect cost to students. In other words, uh, things that m- the university might not be able to do with money uh, that it that it has to divert uh, to either pay the victims or uh, to pay the debt. Uh, on Which John Engler acknowledged he, in your interview. He did absolutely that uh, that there are opportunity costs. Um, that, uh, and and that people are saying involved. that it shouldn't come from the students. It shouldn't come from the taxpayers, that uh, maybe it should all come from um, endowments, although most of those endowments actually are, are required yeah, to be I don't used know for you can particular do that. things. Right, right. And I guess the question becomes then, um, when push comes to shove, whether the question goes to the Board of Trustees, whether the question mm-hmm. goes to the legislature, um, when the issue is put in front of you and you have to give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, mm-hmm. are you going to vote against compensating the victims? Right, mm-hmm. right. I have, a, I have a pretty good guess. Yeah, no, I think that would be a very hard... A very hard vote to take. Uh, Carolyn, thanks very much for the call and the questions. Let's go to Dave in Auburn Hills. Dave, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey. Um, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so I just wanted to quick make the comment that I kind of pretty well agree with the Maggie's Facebook comment. I'm losing quite a lot of respect in Governor Angler from his response. And... Uh, to look at the funding issue from another angle, I'd be pretty angry if this institutional failure winds up uh, impacting how my tax dollars are spent. I mean, I would I would think, perhaps a bit naively, that um, a, an event that came at least tangentially from athletics could be funded at least in part by uh fairly well-financed and mm-hmm. storied athletics department in the country. Dave, that's a great question. Uh, I'm glad you called and and asked this idea that this scandal emanates from the athletic department and then the question of whether that athletic department ought to be responsible for at least part of, uh, part of the compensation. I'm not sure how that would work, but I imagine that that's something that may come up as, uh, as we get uh, further down the road in this, in the negotiations and the sort of outlay of the settlement. 
considering the you know background that John Engler brings to the job, former governor, former legislator, you know he's worked on a lot of budgets. Uh, I would not be surprised if, in the end, we we see some creative financing for at least part of it. Although, again, I don't see how you hit a number that size without going to tuition payers and to taxpayers to uh, figure out, you know, to, to come up with at least part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, thanks very much for the call. And the question, let's go to Joan in Detroit. Joan, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hi. I would agree with the previous callers, and I think it's appalling that either the students or the public be asked to pay for this fiasco. So I would like to see that they sell some university assets, whether it be pieces in a museum, a building, and then have um, have plaques where those missing pieces are, reminding people of why they were sold. Hmm. Wow, Joan, that's an interesting idea. I mean, I would argue, though, that if you are selling off assets from the university, uh, you are selling off some of the experience that students uh, and faculty and other people uh, get from that university. I'm not sure that that's a costless way to do it. But what, what about right. this the idea? The question of, isn't how, the yes, question isn't ahead, if, right. but how students will pay. Right, how Absolutely. they will pay. Well, but but this idea of selling off assets, I mean, that would be very controversial, I would imagine, uh, if it were brought up. But again, with the price tag being as high as it is, can you can you reasonably push anything, any possibility off the table at this point? I think it might be more likely that they would uh, forego uh, upcoming projects as opposed to maybe selling off what they, I mean, they might come to selling off, but I think we will very likely see that they are going to, you know, instead of, they had recently uh, approved a bunch of updates to some of the buildings. And uh, I, I think things like that may actually end up getting put aside yeah. in order to cover this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Shana Roth, Capitol Reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Always a pleasure, Stephen. Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Thanks to you as well for being here. Glad to do it. Up next, we're going to talk to the crisis manager who helped Penn State through its sex scandal in 2012. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. There's no question that MSU has a crisis on its hands, one that's endured and taken on new depth over several months. Only now, with the settlement that was announced yesterday, the optics surrounding the university's handling of the Larry Nasser scandal appear to be improving. How should MSU have handled the case so far? And what should it do going forward from this massive settlement? Our next guest helped Penn State University work through the Jerry Sandusky scandal several years ago. And he has said that was the biggest scandal of its kind until Michigan State and Larry Nasser came along. Jeff Hunt uh, works in crisis management, communications, and preparedness for the Pulse Point Group. He was hired by Penn State to help repair the damage done in the wake of the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Jeff Hunt, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that line about uh, Penn State being the biggest scandal until MSU and Larry Nasser came along, that is a very 
bold statement. I want to start there. How do these two scandals compare, and is Michigan State really that much bigger? Well, I mean, certainly just the sheer number of victims um, suggests that it's much, much bigger. Uh, and the settlement, obviously, is much bigger. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the duration or of, of the time over which these um, abuses occurred was longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of things that make it bigger. And I, I think also the way in which Michigan State handled it um, certainly much different and made it much bigger. And I, I still think there's a lot more to come uh, beyond this settlement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, yeah, this is certainly a huge step forward. Uh, but if you read, uh, at least what I've been reading from some of the victims, they still don't believe that the cultural changes that they believe are necessary. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Place. Yeah. Uh, how do the cover-ups of these two scandals compare uh, in, in terms of the university's response to allegations that something really awful was happening? I think, you know, in the Penn State case, once, you know, it was clear that something bad had happened, they moved very swiftly. Um, you know, the president, the chief legal counsel were, you know, uh, the coach, starting with the coach, um, you know, were temporarily suspended, and then very quickly they were terminated, and they moved quickly to put in first an interim, but very quickly made Rod Erickson the permanent president, and that allowed them the ability to really go forward with determination to make things right. Um, and by the time that Jerry Sandusky, you know, went to trial, most of the victim cases had long been settled. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the repair uh, to the reputation of Penn State and a lot of the, um, you know, repair to the uh, hurt victims was well underway. Mm-hmm. And I think in Michigan State's case, that's not been uh, what's, what's happened. Mm-hmm. So, so what would you recommend for MSU going forward? Uh, I talked with interim president John Engler earlier today, he seemed to to believe that they've done many of the things that need to be done to change the culture at Michigan State to, in, to increase levels of accountability. I get the sense that the victims involved here believe that's not the case, that, uh, that the university has not really addressed this in the way that it should have. So what's what's the playbook look like for the university in the in the coming months? Well, I think there's four key things that, you know, you really have to kind of address to start to put these uh, behind you. First, you know, people really expect to get a full accounting of what actually happened. And as much as we heard in the, um, you know, in the trial and as much we've read, I still don't think that from a perspective of the average person following this, they really understand all the details. Mm -hmm. Um, USA Gymnastics, for example, uh, is a big gap, you know, for a lot of people. What's the connection and how that works? So what at some point, there's yeah. an expectation that you will get a full accounting of actually what happened. Then secondly, there's an expectation that you'll have a good understanding of the mistakes that were made, um, you know, and, and why they were made. And, and then thirdly, um, people expect to be able to understand what you're going to do to make sure this never happens again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, um, you know, what are you going to do to make the world a better place as a result of what you learn from this? So, for example, the reason we have tamper-proof packaging is because of Tylenol. 
reason we have double hull tankers is because of the Exxon Valdez accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the case of Penn State, you know, they put some things into motion with the fines that were being paid to really amp up education on the campus, but also more broadly in the community. So those are some of the things I think Michigan State's going to need to do. Um, and my view, until the victims feel like the cultural change is happening, it's not happening. It doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, the number on the phones to join the conversation is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Sean in Detroit. Sean, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hi. This is Sean. Hi. Yes. Go ahead, Sean. Yes. Um, I'm listening to this conversation, and, and I applaud the generous impulse of people to compensate the victims at MSU. But I also really wonder where the same generous impulse is for the people who have been lead poisoned in Flint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to fight tooth and nail to get anything. And so, I, I you know, I think that that's a worthy point of of, uh, inquiry. Yeah, no, Sean, I think that's a great comparison. Uh, Same kind of negligent behavior, pattern of negligent behavior unfolding there uh, as we saw at MSU and and a much slower response in many ways. I had a recent conversation with Karen Weaver, who is the mayor of Flint, about how tough it still is for her to make the case to state officials that they still have work to do there. Uh, Jeff Hunt, I wonder if there's a crisis management plan you could even dream up uh, to deal with something the size of the Flint water crisis. Uh, oh, it's, that, is just, that was just a horrific, terrible situation. Obviously, I'm not from Detroit, but I followed it um, mm-hmm. from afar. And it's, it's just a great human tragedy. And uh, I don't think that they've handled that well on any level, you know, local, state, or federal. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the caller that... Um, those victims, you know, deserve to be treated, um, you know, be treated right mm-hmm. and to have things made right for them. And in their cases, you know, those cases, um, you know, it goes well beyond one individual or two individual victims. You have families and kids, and it's just very complex, very tragic. And you have sad. this, you have the sort of lingering effect of what happened. I mean, uh, lead yeah. poisoning isn't a single instance. Uh, kind of thing. And, and right. I, I would imagine that we're going to see a lot of uh, settlements, you know, legal settlements that will come out of uh, out of Flint. But I think the caller's yeah. point, and it's well taken, is that uh, the response at the official level has been pretty, pretty weak. Uh, let's let's take one more call here. Al in Royal Oak, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hi. I can't, I can't quite hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now, Al? Yes. Okay, go ahead. And I love your show. Oh, thank you. I've got about a minute left, though, so I need to... Oh, jeez. Go ahead. (laughs) There's like a double standard as far as um, the the two issues, Nasser and Sandusky, two colleges, but it seems like the outrage was overwhelming because Sandusky, it was a gay issue, Mm -hmm. and now we have Nasser, who had countless tenfold victims, heterosexual, and I think there's a disconnect that people should be outraged either way. About both. However, the, the, the media, or I'm 
I'm not going to blame the media. I'm going to blame the... uh... Al, I want to get Jeff Hunt in here to to, to respond. I really appreciate the call. Uh, That comparison between male and female, that's that's difficult. Uh, We've only got about 40 seconds left here. I I know I agree with the the caller, and I've heard from a lot of Penn State people that would echo exactly what he said. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I guess there's a lot of biases that that make that the case, unfortunately, but I totally agree with him. Yeah. Okay, Jeff Hunt, uh, crisis management, communications, and preparedness expert for Pulse Point Group. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. It's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. Make sure to come out to Detroit City Distillery tonight from 6 to 8 to join us for Smart Politics. See you tomorrow. <laughs>